Hello and welcome to Camera Eats First. My name is Devin. And I'm Catherine. And together we are Two Market Girls. We run a vegan YouTube channel and a blog, and this is our podcast where we talk about things like veganism, how we make our recipes, how we run our blog. We do some vegan news sometimes. And on today's episode, we're going to go do kind of a deep dive into something about running a blog, and that's Pinterest. Yeah, it's Pinterest is one of those things that I think most people who don't blog and most new bloggers don't realize is as important as it is and we were definitely one of those like could be considered one of those people for the first like three years of tmg oh yeah like from an outsider's perspective like you said or even if you're fairly new to it i think you just tend to think that you have to focus on instagram or maybe even youtube to drive all the traffic and to build your audience and maybe that was true at a time but not anymore yeah I I don't know the exact number but Pinterest is our top driver to our website over anything search organic search on like Google YouTube Instagram like Instagram is super low so if you're focusing on Instagram that is the wrong strategy (laughs) but like Pinterest is the number one driver to our website yeah and ever since you kind of like really shifted the focus and put a lot more time and thought into what a Pinterest strategy needs. Like you said, we've seen those results. And this was like also selfishly, like just for my own curiosity, because there's a lot that you're doing for our Pinterest Pinterest strategy that I don't know about. So I was like, maybe I should just interview her so that (laughs) I can learn about it. And then all of the other bloggers that listen to this can also learn about it. Sure. Yeah. No, honestly, like Pinterest, like, and also just going in, I'm still learning things about Pinterest as everybody is. I think there's nobody out there who knows this necessarily the secret formula to Pinterest because it's also in a way a social media platform that's always changing and all this stuff. But this is so far like what we're going to talk about today is just kind of what's been working for us so far and what we've learned and our experiences with Pinterest. So before we get into kind of like the nitty gritty and the technical stuff, why do you think it is that people tend to overlook Pinterest and not work it into their strategy so much and they get caught up in things like Instagram? I think one of the big reasons is because there's not really a big community focus on Pinterest and everyone, and I'm not saying community isn't important, it obviously is. But I think people think of like when you think of YouTube and when you think of Pinterest or uh, Instagram, you're talking about like building that community engagement, building that connection with your audience, all that kind of stuff and how important that is. And it is important. But Pinterest doesn't really have like that. Like there is a community aspect to Pinterest, but it's really not important. It's something that people hardly ever focus on because it's just not kind of what Pinterest is. So I think people kind of overlook it because it doesn't have that community thing. Because like I think when you're a blogger or a YouTuber, you get that like number one thing you hear all the time is like make that connection with your community. Make sure it's authentic. Do this, do this, do this. Make sure your community knows this and this. And like when you look at Pinterest, you're like, oh, there's nowhere in it in there to connect with my community. So why am I prioritizing this? That's actually a really good point. I hadn't really looked at it from that way because you're right. Like Instagram is a place where you go and Twitter too to engage with an audience that you've built. But if you're trying to build up awareness of a blog or even just like bring in new eyes to your content, 
Instagram isn't like doesn't help you build that whereas people have forgotten that Pinterest isn't I mean it is a social media platform but what it really is at its core is a search engine yeah and that was like so I was like making a list I wrote down everything or at least like a general idea of like Pinterest tips and things that we're doing so I didn't forget anything and that's like my number one thing for people who want to understand the importance of Pinterest and just understand Pinterest is that it's not a social media platform it is a search engine it's like Google essentially it's just a different form of searching things on the web yeah 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 it's like they took so many things from what Google does and they applied it to specifically I guess content and resources and finding that and making it easier for users and way more visual and that's how it's grown to become what it is today yeah and like obviously google is king when it comes to search but like pinterest to me is second best Uh, to me first of all pinterest for me is the best when it comes to search because i'm a very visual person pinterest allows you to kind of like entice the people with more than just words and more than just the title of your web page it allows you to show some images and really get that kind of connection to the content of your blog without forcing people to click in So like one of the things that I love, like I almost exclusively search on Pinterest when it comes to things like recipes or like art kind of stuff or YouTube, but like that's for something different. But like because you can see a preview of what you're about to click on and it like wastes less time from the user's point of view, you're not going to like click into something and be like, oh, this isn't what I wanted. Click into something, oh, this isn't what I wanted. Pinterest kind of like makes it so much easier for the person searching and usually that results in the creator getting more genuine traffic to their site. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's a good user experience for searching for content and especially for like any kind of DIY content and obviously recipes. It is just like there's no better platform right now for searching that kind of content. Like I know there's probably other subjects that they would have to get creative with their Pinterest strategy, but like for food stuff, Pinterest is, you know, going to help you more than anything. But before we get into, again, not let's not get to the technical stuff yet. We're going to draw it out. Uh, I kind of want to backtrack to what changed for you and what made you realize, oh, we should be, Pinterest has a good thing that we aren't capitalizing on as much as we should. So what made you stop and make that change? To be honest, it was other bloggers like I think one person that I credit a lot is Emily Eats Uh, so she has a full course on Pinterest I never took the course Um, but she like she has a full course devoted to Pinterest and I think it's expanding to just food blogging in general Um, but it started off as like a course for Pinterest and she just stresses so much about how like stop focusing on Instagram. If you want to see growth in your blog, the easiest and best way to do that is Pinterest. And I think just hearing that over and over again, I was just like, you know what? I should probably just try this and see. Let's give it a switch. Let's try and like really put some attention to Pinterest and see. And you get depend. I mean, everyone's different, but we got some pretty quick results out of it, which kind of solidified the fact that they'd be like, oh, maybe I should be spending a little bit more time on this platform. And that kind of grew into doing more research and kind of just seeing what other bloggers experience and all that kind of stuff and really realizing that, oh, I'm missing a big thing when it comes to driving traffic and growing our blog. 
that like Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, they just can't give you. There's no way they can give you that. It's not the same thing at all. Um, And then like when I dived deeper into like looking at our analytics and I was like, wow, we get like three people per new recipe post on Instagram to our blog. That's not a lot. And that's no way to grow. Um, And then like when you see you're like, like even when we weren't prioritizing Pinterest, Pinterest was still one of our top drivers to our site. So I was like, wow, maybe I should actually put a strategy behind this. (laughs) It seems pretty simple and straightforward when you just look at the analytics like oh the answer is right there let's just see what we can do yeah i think that's something that a lot of new bloggers also forget and that's us too like one of the things that like people stress a lot and i think is a disservice to a lot of bloggers is that if you create quality content people will eventually find you and you'll make it big that's not true like I, you should always be creating quality content, but it doesn't guarantee you that you're going to one day be able to make this into a living. You have to actually figure out how to get that quality content in front of people. Having quality content isn't enough, especially in such a high traffic place like the internet. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good quality content out there right now. Um, did it feel overwhelming when you started to look into what a Pinterest strategy included because I feel like when we talk about an Instagram strategy all you hear people talk about is like the algorithm is killing me I can't it's ruining everything but what was it like going to the Pinterest side I'm gonna say yes it was overwhelming at first because I wasn't really going at it with a strategy I was just kind of like trying things and I wasn't doing a lot of research and I was just like oh let's just do this let's just do this let's just do this and I wasn't actually like tracking anything and seeing what works and what doesn't work and testing things and all that kind of stuff because also like no one thing is going to work for everybody you kind of have to figure out what works for you there are some things that work for a lot of people but it might not work for you Um, So like I wasn't actually going in it with a strategy or an organized mindset. I was just kind of like, oh, my God, I need to pay more attention to it. Let's just put stuff on Pinterest and hope for the best Uh, instead of actually like doing research, setting out a game plan, figuring out exactly what we need to change, what we don't need to change, what we need to test out, all that kind of stuff. But as soon as I got a little bit more of an organized mindset, it wasn't as overwhelming because I knew what to be looking for and what I should be doing. Okay, so I, like I want to know what these things are. Where did you once you figured out what your strategy needed to include? What were those things? So it's a long list of things. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't remember the course, but I do have to credit a course. I don't remember the name of it. I'll get the link to Devin so that she can put it in the show notes. So that if people are curious, I purchased a like three hundred dollar course for Pinterest that I've heard like very good things about. So I was like, you know what, let's just, we hardly ever invest in any kind of learning. We usually rely on YouTube and things like that. I was like, you know what, let's just try this. I bought it, I think during like a Boxing Day sale. I was like, it's cheaper, let's just give it a try. Learned a lot from that. um, And and then eventually it's just like using that and also doing a lot more research on my own to kind of figure out what our strategy was. Um, So it breaks down to, I've made points 13 different things. (laughs) Uh, So the first one, as I mentioned already, was like, know what Pinterest is. Know what Pinterest is looking for. And we've already discussed this. It's a search engine. So it's looking for some key things. Um, The second thing was content. So it's like you can really have a good 
I, I know I just said that quality content isn't enough and it's not enough, but quality content is still important, especially when you're trying to drive people to your website and hoping they come back to your website. Um, so making sure that the content we were linking to from Pinterest was still good, still high quality, both photos and the blog content, all that kind of stuff, which is something we've had a priority about doing since day one anyways. Um, the third thing, arguably the most important thing, is creating what Pinterest calls fresh pins. And essentially what that means is it's new, new content is kind of not the right way to phrase it, but I can't think of another way to phrase it. But it's like doing something that Pinterest hasn't seen from that from you before. So it doesn't have to be a new blog post, but it could be a new cover image for the link for the pin. It could be new copy on it. It could be a new description, all that kind of stuff. So making sure that it's not just you repinning things all the time or just pinning the same image over and over again for one blog post. They want to see new content just like Google does. Now that actually like the whole strategy about making the new content, that is something that I noticed you doing. Like I know you've talked about you'll make a bunch of different Pinterest images for every single blog post. And then I've been on Pinterest and scrolling and I see one type. And then the next day I see the other type. And it, that's what it's doing, right? It's like, oh, Pinterest has something new to show me. It's not actually something new, but it's new enough that Pinterest is like, they need to see this. And I'm like, oh, I see yeah. what we've done here. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. Um, so basically what I've done that Devin kind of alluded to is I basically made Pinterest pin templates. I use Canva, but you can use like Illustrator, Photoshop, whatever works for you. But I made like, I think eight of them in total. I made seven different uh, templates for just regular pins. And then I made one for a cover image for a video pin that we do. So eight total different ones. Plus I do just regular, just image posts, no actual template or anything like that. So normally for one blog post, we have 10, like about 10 to 12 different pin pins going out there for that blog post, as opposed to one image just being reposted a million times. Um, and I have them all as like templates in Canva. So it makes it much easier to do. I basically just like throw in images, fill in the blanks, basically change the title and I'm good. Um, something else when it comes to actually making the pins is having multiple brand colors. So it can be like one of the things that helps change up the pin look is colors. So it's very easy to have like this one brand color. We have the green, like our like matcha green that we really like, but it's not really enough, especially when you're trying to work within Pinterest's algorithm or search terms. Um, so we created basically, I created like a um, like a brand color scheme that I kind of base a lot of our pins off of uh, and just kind of work with that. But something that I've learned is very important is still creating consistency in the feel of the pin. So for us, our colors change pretty frequently, but our font never changes. So our font is always the like TMG pin font. So if someone comes across your pin, pin it still looks recognizably yours, even if the colors and images are different. Um, so that's something that I kept consistent throughout our other pins while still changing colors and making sure they're still fresh. Um, something else that you also want to include is either a logo or a URL. I don't like including our logo. I think it makes it too busy. So I just include like www.twomarketgirls.com. 
uh, in very small font just under the name of it. And I've mentioned this before, but just making sure there's variety in your pins. So they don't always have to be two images or one image. You can play around with it. We've done pins where there's like four images in one single like collage pin type thing. We've done carousel pins, things like that. So making sure there's variety in what you're pinning and you're using what Pinterest gives to to you to use. Because it's like Instagram in a way where it like it helps you out when you use the features it gives you basically. Mm hmm. Uh, so those are kind of the like main things when I'm actually creating the images for our pins that I look to do. And like when I was creating the templates. The next step, which is just as important as the pins, is keyword research. It's something that I didn't ever really think about in terms of Pinterest. I just thought, I just write a description. If people search it, they'll come across it, whatever. But it's like Google, like we've said. You have to look up what people are searching that are similar to it or like words that they're also searching. So if they're, you, if it's like a recipe for a chocolate cupcake, there's like a bunch of other words that could lead to your chocolate cupcake recipe that are a little bit more specific so that you're getting quality visits, visits to your site. So one of the ways that Pinterest actually makes this pretty easy for you is... Let's use the example. I actually wrote down an example for our vegan uh, sugar cookies, the sprinkle sugar cookies that we have. Um, so if you search in, let's say, sugar cookies on Pinterest, usually at the top of the screen before it shows you the results, it'll also show you also related to or other people have searched. And that helps you so much when creating pin descriptions or pin titles because it tells you what exactly people are searching for. So like things that I found when doing this sugar cookie one was people also searched for recipe, easy, with sprinkles, vegan, best, how to make, homemade, chewy, and simple. So when I was creating my pin description, I made sure to include every single one of those words somewhere in the pin description so that if someone searched chewy sugar cookies, ours would still be a part of the search results. Or if someone searched sugar cookies recipe, ours would still be a part of the search results. Um, so it's things like that that can set your Pinterest strategy apart from other people. And it takes a lot of time to do, unfortunately, but it's worth it. Uh, and then something else, even though like Pinterest will tell you what other people are searching, don't shy away from also adding other keywords that you want. So if your recipe is also gluten-free, but it doesn't tell you people are looking for that, still include that kind of stuff because there's going to be people that are searching for it. It's just not a top search term. Um... And then one of the things that you can do with these keywords is not only using it in the description of your pin, but also using it in some of the like cover images, the pin images. So instead of writing vegan sugar cookies for every single pin photo, you can write chewy sugar cookies or sugar cookies with sprinkles and all that kind of stuff because the words in the image help contribute to your search as well. Um, and then so I actually wrote down the exact pin description that we had for our sugar cookies one to show you how to use keywords because one of the most important things when using Pinterest is to use these keywords but don't use them in a way where it doesn't sound natural still <laughs> like you can't just like write a nice description and then all of a sudden just be like gluten-free dairy-free but and just like list out random words yeah you still need to make sure it's like easy to read and actually coherent sentences <laughs> you don't want to sound like a bot either <laughs> exactly um so the description that i used for our sugar cookie recipe was enjoy simple vegan soft sugar cookies with just nine ingredients loaded with sprinkles this homemade vegan sugar sugar cookie recipe is buttery and chewy while still being dairy free and eggless 
And basically, so that's like two sentences with 10 different keywords in it. So you can still, yeah, it takes a lot of practice. The first ones that I did, like, absolutely sounded robotic. And like, (laughs) you were just like, where can I fit this in? And where can I fit this in? Which is also important thing. If you can't fit every keyword in, that's fine. Don't make it sound unnatural. Still make it sound normal. And don't, also don't be clickbaity. Only include things that actually relate to your recipe. Also, just on the side, the pin, like doing keywords for Pinterest can also really help you develop recipes because you know exactly what people are searching for. So like if you're like, I want to make a cupcake recipe, search cupcakes on Pinterest and see what people are looking for. So maybe there's a lot of people looking for a gluten-free cupcake recipe. So maybe try and develop a gluten-free cupcake recipe. It can really, really help you with recipe development as well. Now, when you're coming up with the tags and the keywords too, do any of these either come from or translate to the SEO that you also do in the blog post on the blog, like through WordPress and stuff? Yeah, so they pretty much tie hand in hand. What I find, so I'm much better at keyword research on Pinterest than I am on Google. I'm still trying to do a lot more research with SEO on the Google side. But what I've found so far is there's actually quite a bit of overlap Because like usually if someone's searching for dairy-free cupcake recipes on Pinterest, they're probably also searching for that on Google. So it usually ties hand in hand with what I'm doing on WordPress as what I'm doing on Pinterest. And oftentimes I'll use the Pinterest description that I developed within the blog post as well. Something else that I've slowly started to incorporate into our Pinterest strategy is pin variety. And Devin will have noticed this because I've asked her to create videos. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I used to just, we used to just basically pin images. And images are great. It's what Pinterest started on. It's what it relies on for mo- the most part. But they also have a lot of other ways that you can pin your recipe or whatever your content is, and which includes carousel posts, story posts, if you're within the US, they're not available in Canada yet, um, which I tried them once because there was like a glitch and like allowed us for like two days on our site to create them. I still can't really figure out how to use them very well. It's just like, it's a weird, it's a weird feature for Pinterest, in my opinion, because <laughs> it's, it's like a, like an Instagram story. But I'm just like, I just like don't understand how to use this for Pinterest. It's like Twitter trying to add it too. And even YouTube. It's kind of, I feel like everyone's trying to do what Instagram and Snapchat have. And maybe just you don't need to do that everywhere. Because with the pin stories as well, they don't actually, there's no place to put a link in. So it actually doesn't lead back to your site. It's mainly just for reach and hoping people go to your site. So it's kind of like a strange feature, in my opinion, for a search engine. Um, but, uh, it's something that I know a lot of people who have access to the feature have been having some success with. So it's something that you can try working and see, working into your strategy and see if it works for you. Um, but there's also carousel posts and things like that. And we use every single feature available to us other than the stories, which isn't available to us anymore for some reason. Um, but it's also just kind of hard to figure out how to use Uh, But we use every single one for every single recipe so that we are hitting as much reach as we possibly can. And in my opinion, video pins perform so well. Like it'll be, I'll publish a, a photo pin and a video pin at the same time. And within a day, the video pin has like 5,000 impressions while the, vi- while the photo pin has like maybe a thousand. It's, it's drastically different. 
Which, like, when you think about it, and when I'm editing those two, I always think of myself being on Pinterest, and when I'm looking for a recipe and going through one, and if there's one that I can click on, and if I can see enough about the steps, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I could do this. This looks doable. Because that's the thing about Pinterest, right? It makes you think you can do things, all these (laughs) things. And so when I'm making the videos for Pinterest to represent the uh, recipe you one thing you told me was that they can they don't need to be super long keep it short so I just make sure to show enough about the steps and to cut out the stuff that's like we don't need to show adding salt and pepper like who cares about that but enough to show them like this is how you do it you could easily do this and then it will encourage them more because that's what works on me too exactly it's it's one of those things that just gives that it's that user experience that we talk about Pinterest being so good at is that you see yes a photo is great because you see something really delicious and you're like oh my god I want to make that but when you see a video and you're like not only do I want to make that I think I can make that <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so videos from from what I've been uh, from the strategy we've been working on with Pinterest now videos have been performing really really well for us So the next point is back to the fresh pins type thing and how Pinterest always wants like new fresh content. We try so far what's working for us is pinning two to three fresh pins a day. And that's about it. Like there was a point where people were saying to like pin 15 times a day, not all fresh pins, but like reposting people's things and doing all that kind of stuff, which I still find is helpful when you have the time, but not fully necessary in order to get a lot of attention to your blog. So just making sure if you don't have a lot of time, really focus on the fresh pins aspect over the repinning other people's pins aspect in order to get the kind of best bang for your buck, essentially. Okay. Another thing that I actually thought was very interesting. So we've been using Tailwind for the last year or so. To like a lot of success, we've really enjoyed using Tailwind, but it was only recently that I think I saw another blogger mention that they stopped using Tailwind because the native schedule within the Pinterest uh, app or uh, website was actually resulting in better results for them. They were getting higher reach. They were getting more click throughs. So I was like, hmm, let's test this out. Let's give it a try. Like night and day. It was actually like you could tell overnight that and it makes sense. Pinterest wants you to be on their website. So why would they not prioritize things that are coming from their website? Um, But we found that using the Pinterest schedule that was built into Pinterest, like when like we could have a pin that had 300 views via scheduling it on Tailwind to a pin that had like 10,000 views just scheduling it through Pinterest and said the exact same thing. Nothing else is different. Just the way you've scheduled it. Now, do you think that that's because Pinterest realized these other softwares are, you know, people are using these more, so they've actually changed the way that their scheduling within Pinterest works, and that's why people are noticing it? Like, is it something that changed at Pinterest? I I think so, too. And I think, like any site, they want people on their site. They don't want necessarily people using another site to use their site, right? They want people, because like, if I'm on Pinterest to schedule things, chances are I'm also going to start just randomly searching things on Pinterest because Pinterest is addicting. <laughs> um, but like, like I've been on Pinterest way more now using Pinterest native schedule 
versus when I was using Tailwind. So, like, it makes sense from Pinterest perspective. Yeah. Um, the only thing that kind of sucks a little bit about the Pinterest native schedulers that you can only schedule up to 30 pins at once uh, and only up to two weeks in advance. So it's not like you can batch out like a full month's worth of pins in one sitting. You kind of have to be in there once or twice every other week or so. Um, But once you kind of get that rhythm and that kind of flow going, it's actually pretty simple to use. Okay, that's good. Because I mean, going through all of these things so far, it it is a lot of work, right? So any any ways that you can optimize it or automate it will help. And like you said, mentioning that you can schedule within Pinterest to help take off like you don't need to do this every single day. You can schedule things so that it looks like you're doing it every single day, right? Yeah, exactly. Next step, which isn't really a step, it's just more of a mindset is prioritize Pinterest over Instagram. And it's difficult to do because Instagram like the Instagram mindset and being on Instagram will make you seem like Instagram is the most important thing in the world and that posting every day is the most important thing in the world and like posting frequently and being on Instagram is still helpful for building a brand and still helpful for connecting to your community like we said but it is in no way a place to drive traffic to your website like it just especially if you're a smaller creator and don't have the swipe ups on stories it's not like it doesn't matter it really doesn't um so ha- switching that mindset to being that being like yes i need to post things on instagram but not at the expense of pinterest essentially is let's do pinterest first and then the time that i have left i will work on instagram content Um, And that's switching that kind of mindset. So I used to be very much about like, we need to make sure we're posting every day on Instagram because that's where you build a brand. Um, And now it's, I need to make sure there's something new going out on Pinterest every day. If something new doesn't go out on Instagram, it's not the end of the world. Um, So really switching that mindset for blog growth. Yeah. And I think too, even just distinguishing, like you said, between the purposes of the two platforms Like Instagram is where you go to engage with your community. So even if you aren't posting on the feed, like you're still in the DMs, you're still commenting on other people's posts. And that's what matters to being part of the community and engaging with your community. But if you want to build up your community, then Pinterest. So it's like both of these things matter, but in different ways. So just distinguish what your time is doing when you're on those platforms. Yeah, and honestly prioritizing things can differ depending on what stage in your blogging journey you are like much bigger bloggers who have a huge following already don't necessarily need to prioritize Pinterest as much because they've got the flow they've got the like search engine cred already they like Google and Pinterest knows that this is a really trusted and a really searched website so you don't really need to focus that much attention on Pinterest And you can like actually focus on working with the thousands of people who already follow you and already like your brand. But when you're new, especially, I think Pinterest is one of the most important platforms to prioritize. So next thing is rich pins. So this is something that going into Pinterest, I always thought was like, oh my God, you need to have rich pins. And for those that don't know what rich pins is, 
I think there's three different versions of rich pins. Um, I don't know really the other two because I'm so focused on the food aspect and the food blog. I don't really do much research into the other sides of Pinterest. Um, but for recipe blogs, that's basically it shows like a snippet of what your recipe is. It doesn't show instructions, but it'll show like the ingredient list so that people can have a little bit more information and about kind of like whether this recipe is for them. Um, when doing my research on this, there was like mixed feelings. Some people had great results with rich pins, some people didn't. And I've slowly been kind of testing it. Some I'll do with rich pins, some I'll do without. And I've found for us using rich pins actually doesn't really help us. We usually we can get like more people to see our pin, but we don't get more people to click through to our website, which is the most important thing is actually bringing people to your site to get that page view, to get people on there and in engaging with your content. Um, I don't know what it is. My inclination is that the more information you provide, the less they need your website. Um, so I don't know if that's actually it, but for us, I found that Rich Pins doesn't really work. I'm still testing it out and still doing it here and there, but from the few like weeks that I've been testing it out, Pins that do better in a stance of like clicking and link going through to your website are the ones without rich pins and without that like extra snippet of information. Yeah. Okay. The one thing about Pinterest is that there's a lot of strategy that goes into actually pinning your images and pinning your blog posts and doing all that kind of stuff. But the strategy doesn't end at Pinterest. It also has to translate to your blog. So one of the things, a part of the Pinterest strategy is you want people pinning your blog because you basically get more credibility in the Pinterest algorithm when there's also other people pinning your stuff. And it's kind of, it's up to personal preference, but I have found it's always nicer when the people, when people pin your blog or your YouTube video or whatever it is, that they have a really nice image to pin and something with a lot of information. So to all of our blog posts over the last year I think I've implemented this is always putting a very pinnable image in our blog post so like I have all of our regular ones but at the end of the blog post I also say pin it for later so if people want to pin this thing they have that like really nice pinnable image that they can choose to pin to Pinterest this doesn't guarantee that they do it but at least the options there um, so that if somebody pins something from your website it'll look like a pin that you've pinned. It'll look like it has the nice like Canva layout with your URL there and all that kind of stuff so that you're also kind of getting the benefit of somebody else pinning from your site. And then speaking of that is when somebody pins from your site, the description still matters and you still want that SEO from somebody else pinning your blog post. Um, and normally like one of the ways that people did got around this is, is including the alternative or the alt text, basically. So when an image doesn't show up, it tells you what it is. Or if somebody's blind, they use it to kind of tell you what the image is. But obviously that doesn't help people who are blind by doing a pin description there and doing it for SEO. So one of the ways that we do is adding a pinnable description to our blog uh, code. So you go into the HTML code and fully put in like, there's like, 
we can also include this in the show notes, but there's a like template that I just use where I put my pin description in and the code and just copy and paste it into our each blog post code so that when someone clicks to pin your blog post, the pin description is already there for them and they don't make up their own and they can, but like it's there for them for quick pinning and we get that SEO from their pin as well. It's like you set up all of these this template and then when people go to click it's got all of the nice pieces that you want and then they also get the benefit of that as long as they don't go in and change anything and it's a win-win for everybody exactly um so it's just one of the extra things that you can do just to kind of help your pinterest algorithm your pinterest credibility your search credibility and kind of show pinterest that you're a credible source and that people are really enjoying your content and then honestly the last two things are kind of just general strategies, general thoughts, is follow Pinterest best practices. So obviously Pinterest knows what's best. (laughs) They created the platform, they created the algorithm, and the best practices are always changing. So look up every three months if there's a new optimal pin size, because that changes so frequently. It used to be really long pins, and then Pinterest all of a sudden was like, no, we don't want any of those really long (laughs) pins. So you always have to kind of be looking up what Pinterest is saying is best practice for their website, because that's what they're going to prioritize, and that's what they're going to push out. So making sure that just because you have a strategy built in, it's still adaptable for Pinterest ever-changing best practices. Um, Like I think right now the optimal pin size is a thousand by 1500 uh, pixels, I think. Um, So making sure that the things you're pinning are that are that size because that kind of stuff actually makes a really big difference and I don't think people realize it because it's not really a tangible thing to measure. Um, But it never hurts to follow Pinterest best practices. When you think about it, that is something that people talk about on Instagram too. Like that's not a brand new concept. So if you're going to do that on Instagram and think about that on Instagram, that's going to translate to every single other platform that you're posting to. So it makes sense that Pinterest would have all the same things and to pay attention to them. I feel like trying to keep track of which dimensions work on each different social media platform is kind of like the never-ending struggle for any kind of social media manager yeah yeah I usually and like yeah I I come at this with both of us being social media managers so it's just kind of built into the way we think about a lot of these things Um, but I usually check every three months or so if there's like updates to best practices and I also just keep up to date on like there's a website called social media today and they keep up to date on all the social media platforms and things they announce and launch Uh, So just making sure to really stay up to date because especially when it's new, being one of the first people to use that new best practices can actually really give you a leg up on a lot of things or like a new feature that comes out and things like that. We saw that with Instagram Reels. Anyone who started using it within the first month got like really huge reach and really huge impressions within that first month. And now it's kind of steadying out because more people are using it. It's becoming a normal thing. Um, So being as early as you can to adapting your strategies is really important for any social media platform. Uh, And then the last thing kind of ties into the thing I just said, but just always be learning. Don't ever be like, this is my strategy. This is done. I don't have to think about it ever again. I wish, but unfortunately, that's not how the internet works. So like... (laughs) Always be looking up, always be testing new things. Testing is like the name of the game on social media, I feel like. Like, 
something could work one day and then all of a sudden tank the next day and trying to find out why that is is really important so when you're testing things making sure to only change one thing at a time so you know exactly what's attributing to your success and not and just always be looking for new ways to improve and change your strategy um and looking for ways to kind of uh be more efficient because pinterest as you can tell, Pinterest can be a really time-consuming platform to use, but there is ways to make it efficient. And just finding those things that work for you is kind of how you're going to be able to maintain a really solid strategy on Pinterest. Now, you just mentioned that Pinterest can be very time-consuming. And I want to ask you how many hours a week you spend on Pinterest. But I do also want to kind of add a caveat to that, that you are an experienced social media manager. So you have a lot of practices and habits that you've built up and obviously a lot of experience that helps with that. So for new people, it might be, it might take a lot longer and you might have to do a little bit less and build up to it depending on how much time you have. But I'm curious how much time you say you would estimate that you spend a week. Not including like imagery and stuff like that because that's something I would have to do regardless of Pinterest. Stuff that's like exclusive for Pinterest. Uh, I'm trying to think. (laughs) I want to say... It's somewhere between four to eight hours a week, which like sounds like a lot because it is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and honestly, I could be spending more, but I have a full time job. So yeah. <laughs> like Pinterest, is, there's a reason social media management is a full time job. And it's because these things take a lot of time in order to do them really well and to do them with a really intense and cohesive strategy. Um and Pinterest is, to be honest, one of the most time-consuming ones, other than, like, creating a YouTube video and editing a YouTube video and, like, the really intense content creation side of it. Like, content creation obviously takes a lot of time. But when it comes to actually, like, scheduling things for, like, an Instagram or something like that, Pinterest is the most time-consuming from my perspective, but it also drives the best results. Um, I was just going to say, like, you get a lot more bang for your buck across all the other platforms. Yeah. So, like, usually I'll spend, like, two hours on, like, a Sunday pinning new content uh, because that's when our blog posts go live and things like that. Um, I'll also spend a couple hours a week making new content. So, one of the things that I do is I don't just make new content for the new blog post we have coming up. I also make new content for old blog posts and things like that. That usually takes a couple hours a week. And then scheduling takes a lot more time than people realize. That usually takes a couple hours because that's like putting in the descriptions, putting in the links, doing all the titles, all that kind of stuff, scheduling it for times and finding your optimal time, which also requires testing and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, yeah, I would say somewhere between the range of four and eight hours a week, most likely towards eight hours most weeks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's a lot, a lot of time, but honestly, I would rather spend eight hours on Pinterest each week than countless hours on Instagram because you just get more out of Pinterest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think too, just the fact that you've implemented Pinterest strategies and seen results so much faster than when you try to implement new stuff on Instagram. Like Instagram's algorithm and all the ways that it works, I feel like creators get um, discouraged really fast because they don't see results as quickly. Whereas with Pinterest, when you put in the same or more time, you're more likely to see results 
more quickly and then you'll be encouraged to keep going with it. Yeah. And one thing I will say is you can see results really quickly on Pinterest, especially if you didn't have a Pinterest strategy before. Um, But don't be discouraged if you don't see immediate results, because sometimes one of the good things I actually really like about Pinterest is compared to Instagram, where if you post something within 24 hours, no one's going to ever see it again, because that's just how the algorithm works on Instagram. On Pinterest, you could pin something a year ago, and then all of a sudden it explodes on Pinterest a year later. Um, So that's one of the things I also appreciate about Pinterest is that content never really dies on Pinterest. It's always kind of like, especially because things are always changing on Pinterest, things people are searching for always changes. You could have a pin that's not so successful within the first few weeks of posting, but then six months later, all of a sudden it's the most successful thing. Yeah, which just goes back to the fact that it's a search engine and not just like a content sharing platform. Like that's a significant difference, which is why it works so much differently. Now, I mean, talking about seeing the results, how often do you think people should check the analytics of their pins? Oh my God, I check the analytics every day. (laughs) Like actually, I mean, this is also because I'm in the middle of really developing our strategy and trying to see what works and what doesn't. Um, I I check every single pin that goes out. I check how well it did. (laughs) Every single one. Um, So that's, that adds to the time you spend on Pinterest. Um, But yeah, no, I think you should be checking analytics pretty frequently, um, but also not being discouraged if you don't see results right away. Always go back and see, check your analytics and see what's really driving to your site. Sometimes it's a pin from six months ago and you can learn something from that and you learn to see what works for you and what doesn't. Um, So I would really recommend looking at your analytics as frequently as possible. (laughs) Now, I feel like there was a lot There was obviously a lot that was covered in this entire episode, but for people who are like, okay, I'm not going to sleep on Pinterest anymore. I mean, business now, let's get down to it. Are there three things or like where exactly can they start without feeling overwhelmed? Okay. So I would say one of the most important, two things I think are the most important things if you don't do anything else, it's creating fresh pins. So coming up with a bunch of templates for your blog posts, um, I would say at least five, but do more if you can. Um, And then the second thing is keyword research. Really implement really, really good descriptions, really good uh, keywords, um, and really using that stuff to your advantage. Those are the two main things I would focus on. Obviously, there's so many other things you could be doing, but that's a good place to start. Really, really finalize, like, what's a good pin description and what is a really good creative for you because you'll also see on our pin on our pinterest our creative has changed a lot like i'll create a like a new pin template and then all of a sudden i'll be like oh i have a new strategy and it's finding that kind of creative that works for you and i think we've landed on one that works really well at least for now (laughs) um so i would focus on your fresh pins the creative that you use and uh your keyword research and keyword implementation into descriptions and pin titles as your main two priorities before anything else but then also if you have more time do more (laughs) (laughs) of course Um, something else i will note before we go i know this is really long already Uh, But one of the things to keep in mind when you're scheduling Pinterest content is keep in mind holidays and big events coming up um, and pin 
one to two months before those events start pinning things. So like Valentine's Day, you start pinning chocolate recipes at the beginning of January because sometimes it takes some time for people to really uh, search those things and for those things to kind of build up momentum. And you want them to be at their like peak momentum around the holiday and around when people are really searching them. Um, so really keep in mind those important days uh, for the calendar year, basically. Okay. I feel like we that kind of ends on some actionable steps that people can start with. And I th- when anything, any episode or any piece of content goes over a deep dive into a strategy like we just did, having those actionable steps right towards the end kind of make you feel like you can actually conquer it. Like that's how I'm feeling now. I'm like, okay, I got it. I get it. But I would definitely go back to this episode (laughs) and listen to it again and again. And we'll try to link to as many resources that Kat mentioned in the show notes so that other people can learn more and build up their Pinterest strategy. One thing I will say when making, I think the keyword description is one of the hardest parts of Pinterest, making that sound natural. One of the things that I would do is really practice that a lot. And I always, when I'm making a pin, I will go in, search the term, and then write down all of the keywords and then have them in a list so that I can just pluck them out and fill, basically fill in a description and figure out which ones work and which don't. Yeah. And the more you do it, the more you'll get into this rhythm. Like you very much have a process that you just kind of go through and you know those steps now. And so once you do it a few times and you get into that rhythm, it won't feel as daunting, even though it's still a skill that will take practice. Once you figure out the steps you have to take, that's one of the hardest parts sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, so I will... Uh, I'm going to send Evan as many links as I have that I found useful so that she can put them all in the show notes for you guys. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this episode of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you learned a lot. I know I did. Thank you, Catherine, for sharing all of that. (laughs) Making a good list to go through. That was very helpful, very insightful. Uh, If you want to check out any of our recipes and drive some traffic to our blog, it's at (laughs) tomarketgirls.com or tomarketgirls on YouTube and all of the socials and all over Pinterest. (laughs) Yeah, please go check out our pins. I'm very proud of how they look right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening.